0: Welcome to the first episode of the podcast series, Malden Reads Fahrenheit 451. I'm your host, Anne Durso-Rose, a co-facilitator for the Malden Reads One City, One Book program. We are located just north of Boston in Malden, Massachusetts. Now in its 10th year, Malden Reads is a program that asks the question, what if all of Malden read the same book? This year, our program is called the NEA Big Read Malden because for the first time, we have received a matching grant from the National Endowment for the Arts, NEA, in association with Arts Midwest. The mission of the NEA Big Read is to broaden our understanding of our world, our communities, and ourselves through the joy of sharing a good book. Our book choice for this year, 2020, is Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. I am thrilled to welcome our first guest for this podcast, William Sullivan, deputy fire chief for the Malden fire department. Now, if you've read Fahrenheit 451, you know that the protagonist, the main character is a fireman. By way of some background, we reached out to chief Sullivan back in September for a local event. We wanted to see if he'd help us promote the book by posing with local community members in firefighting attire. And he was not only game, but he has been participating in all of our events so far. Turns out Chief Sullivan is an avid reader, and we are so pleased to have him on this first episode to share his perspective on this dystopic novel where the world of firefighting has taken a very different turn. So welcome, Chief Sullivan. Uh, Is it okay if I call you Bill?
1: Bill, it's fine, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So glad you're here. So um, when Jody, who's my co-facilitator, reached out to you um, to take part in that event, what was your first thought?
1: Actually, I was just glad to help out. Um, You know, as a firefighter, you know, working in the community, I think a good part of our job, you know, is, you know, reaching out and interacting with different community groups was of the community. so it, it it's a good thing. So I looked forward to it. it. was it was enjoyable. very enjoyable.
0: So um when I met you that day at that event, um you actually shared with me a story. Um, and it really touched my heart. And I'm wondering if you could share it now with our listeners. it It's a story that took place, I believe, in middle school.
1: Oh, with respect to reading. Yes. Yes. so in uh, BB Junior High, back in the late 70s. And as you said at the, uh, during the intro, I, I am an avid reader. I enjoy reading very much. Uh, but while at BB, I was in a reading class uh, with a teacher by the name of Ms. Rita Flynn, a very nice woman and, a, in my opinion, a fantastic teacher. Unfortunately, in the first half of the school year, I wasn't doing that well. Um, and Ms. Flynn, being as attentive as she was uh, to all of her students' uh, needs and, and status and progress, uh, she came to me and, and asked why I thought Perhaps I wasn't doing as well as I, I could be or should be and i I was very frank and I told her, well Miss Flynn, frankly I, I just don't like what we're reading. So she had the quizzical look on her face she didn't I think quite know how to respond at the at the outset. but then she asked me what I was interested in um, and I told her that at that at that time um, I was a member of the BB junior high football team and I was uh, becoming a huge Notre Dame football fan, so I told her I was reading books on Notre Dame football as well as uh, books on the fire department. Um, I come from a family of firefighters. My dad was on the fire department at the time. His father had been a firefighter. Uh, So I told her primarily those are the the two topics that I read the most about. So after that conversation, went home from school for the day. And the very next day when I returned to school, there were two books on the desk uh, that I occupied during Ms. Flynn's class. One entitled, The History of Notre Dame Football, and the other one, The History of Firefighting in New England, Wow! Uh, that she had obviously gone out uh, and procured for me. Um, I don't know where the Notre Dame book is today, but I do know where The History of Firefighting in New England is. I still have the copy of that book. Um, but, you know, even at that age, I was, I was touched by the commitment and the care that Miss Flynn had to her job and to her students, um, so That's amazing. I was, yeah, I, certainly, I was inspired to 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 end the class on a good note for the rest of the year, um, and I had the tools to do that. Reading two books that, um, you know, contained topics that I was very much interested in.
0: What a wonderful teacher story! <laughs>
1: yeah, no question about it. And, you know, and I might add, you know, she's one teacher among many in the mall, public school system. But I can I consider and honestly tell you, uh, I I never had a bad one.
0: That's really good to hear. Yeah. So uh, that kind of maybe started you along this path of of reading for pleasure, um yeah,
1: no question about it, yeah. yeah and
0: you say today you are an avid reader
1: yeah, yeah, no i at any one time i unfortunately, I think I have probably six or seven books going at one time Wow, but that i'm and it's it's not that I'm able to concentrate on all of them. i just I might get bored reading one and pick up another where I left off at that one um you know with a with a myriad of topics you know um from history particularly military history, as a matter of fact. Not that I was in the military, but God bless those who were, Mm -hmm. and and are, certainly. Um, But, you know, to sports, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm actually a genealogist as well. I've been researching my family history for close to to 25 years now. So that involves uh, quite a bit of reading as well.
0: So this book... Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. So, so you read it in school, I think probably high school? High school. Yes. I I do remember
1: reading it. Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. And did it make an impression on you at the time?
1: Yeah, it certainly did. I mean, particularly coming from a firefighting family, um, you know, at first, again, I thought I was getting into a book about firefighting. Uh, (laughs) I I I, (laughs) I wasn't too far into it when I realized that it wasn't fighting the fires that was actually occurring. That the firemen of that time as portrayed by Ray Bradbury were actually starting fires, um, you know, for...
0: And burning books. And burning
1: books, um, you know, which is in and of itself unsettling. Uh, so, yeah, and in that respect, you know, it, it's it's a book that I remember reading, that's for mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. No question about it.
0: Mm-hmm. And now with uh, Malden Reads doing it as the community read, you're, you're, you've are you been rereading the book.
1: I have, yes. Yep. Um, uh, since receiving a copy of it from Malden Reads, I've been reading. I just, you know, I just got through it, um, and I, I think I've got a slightly different perspective, which stands to reason. You know, Very so much I'm a little so. bit older than I was yeah, in high school. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. With a different outlook on things for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm picking up a, a few things, uh, themes perhaps, or maybe messages that Mister Bradbury was trying to get across uh, that I that I sort of probably missed in high school.
0: Well, I think it also reads different today. I mean, it's two things for sure. I read it in high school and. You know, you're a different person, you know, from the time you were 16 or 15, and so you read with a different perspective. But it's also the times are different, and the book almost seems to have it seems to have more relevance today than than it did even back then.
1: It it, it does. It seems to me that in many in many ways, uh, society, for lack of a better term, has evolved in many ways as Mr. Bradbury portrayed in the book.
0: So this book, just for the purpose of you know, our listening audience, was written in 1953 by Ray Bradbury. So when, when he wrote this book, television was just pretty much you know becoming popular across the country, black and white, small TV. The fact that he describes what he desc- describes in the book is, Incredible. is pretty phenomenal.
1: It really is, when you, when you read through the book. And I think that's what struck me this second time through is that he's actually describing flat screen televisions um, mounted on living room walls, uh, which we're experiencing today.
0: I almost feel like we haven't quite even gotten there yet. Right. I mean, he's describing four walls. So you're parlor, right. your are in, you know, the more money you have, the more walls right. you can have so that if you have a lot of money, you could be completely surrounded by screens sure. and be immersed in this experience and that's probably where we're going. I mean, the screens keep getting bigger. um, The quality keeps getting better. um, So I don't even think we're quite there yet.
1: Yeah, you know, today perhaps you see it in in maybe sports bars or sports venues. You walk in you can have a whole wall of massive televisions, you know, all on different channels or maybe massive televisions, uh, all of which combine to make up one picture. You know, the, the, the thing was that, as he described it, they almost replaced art uh, hanging on walls, you know, moving yeah. art, I think, as yeah. he put it.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't, um, I mean, the kind of stuff that people watch is pretty mindless.
1: It, yes, it can be. Um, that That's why I read. I mean, I, you know, my wife and I at home, we enjoy a couple of TV series, uh, mini-series, you know, that we sort of binge-watch, you know, uh, trying to catch up on what's going on. But other than that, if it's, you know, if it's not a particular sporting event of interest, you know, um, I'm not really a a television person. Um, quite frankly, you know, some of what is on even just everyday television can be alarming at times, you know, from the news, you know, to what is portrayed in programs, Mm -hmm. Uh, but mindless is certainly a word I'd use to describe a lot of it. At
0: least in this book, I mean, it's sort of gotten to that point where, um, you, you don't get the feeling people are watching documentaries or it, that you're pretty much all the time. And, and then they're, they're, uh, it's actually interactive, which again is not really a point we're at. There's, there's mm-hmm. a reality TV component in the book, but then there's a point where they, they turn to you and you can have a speaking part. And again, I feel like that's probably down the line.
1: Yeah. Well, we're already at FaceTime on telephone. So yeah, I'm sure, we're, I'm sure we're not too far from it.
0: So it's pretty interesting to see, you know, what, what is sort of coming to be, but but I think we're still going along that route. And again, he wrote this book sixty five years ago. Yeah,
1: it's crazy. <laughs> um,
0: so uh, the first the first opening paragraph is kind of a th- actually the first line of this book. It was a pleasure to burn. Is kind of one of those great opening lines of books. Gets your attention. It does. So I'm just going to, if you don't mind, just read the first paragraph um, for folks that kind of set the stage here. But it was a pleasure to burn. It was a special pleasure to see things eaten, to see things blackened and changed. With the brass novel in his fists, with this great python spitting its venomous kerosene upon the world, the blood pounded in his head, and his hands were the hands of some amazing conductor, playing all the symphonies of blazing and burning to bring down the tatters and charcoal runes of history. With his symbolic helmet numbered 451 on his stolid head and his eyes all orange flame with the thought of what came next, he flicked the igniter and the house jumped up in a gorging fire that burned the evening sky red and yellow and black. He strode in a swarm of fireflies. He wanted, above all, like the old joke, to shove a marshmallow on a stick in the furnace while the flapping pigeon-winged books died on the porch and lawn of the house, while well, the books went up in sparkling whirls and blew away on a wind turned dark with burning. So you come from a long line of firefighters. I know this is describing burning books, but was there parts of that passage that felt, that resonated?
1: Well, it, it's it's the exact opposite of why we're here and why we have been here for you know hundreds, a couple of hundred years anyway um you know to, to take any pleasure in, in destroying anything is beyond comprehension you know particularly a book which in, in in many respects in many instances represents so much work by any individual or individuals um, and has either such a story to tell or such information to provide you know to 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 destroy that uh, and make it unavailable uh, to everybody for for an eternity is is incomprehensible you know, when you think about it. Um, and, and again, you know, the fire service, it's, it's exactly the opposite of why the fire service is here. We, we had to preserve property, certainly life, that's number one, but, you know, to preserve property, which is the work of others. You know, um, so, yeah, unsettling and, to say the least. Yeah. And but it gets your attention.
0: It does get your attention. And I think that, you know, so they kind of describe, they kind of explain that, you know, um, basically houses... Are fireproofed, and instead, you know, because of the way the society is developed, the firefighters go in and burn the books. But um, that there's this sort of uh, loss of institutional memory that people don't like. The main character, Guy Montag, isn't even aware that that's not what firefighters always did. Imagine right. So that there's a loss. So, and you come from you said several generations of firefighters.
1: I'm the third, actually.
0: You're the third. So, my
1: grandfather was appointed in 1917 and my father in 1963
0: and they both worked for the Malda That's correct yeah. So um I thought uh, that the, the the captain in the story, Captain Beatty, was a very interesting character because he um, you know he obviously he's heading up this fire department, but he the more you learn about him, he actually did have a lot of institutional memory. He did kind of know the history, um, correct? Yeah. And he, and he read books, but a long time ago, right? And kind of.
1: So it must have been quite a transition for him, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, he seems to have bought the party line. No
1: question about it. Unfortunately.
0: <laughs> what uh, what what stands out the most to you in the book, or what what um, or reading it now. Uh, versus when you were reading it in high school, what what did you see differently? Well,
1: again, I think in high school, the, the message that jumped right off the pages um, at a student, uh, high school student, would be censorship. You know, that's probably the first thing that comes to mind is that you, again, you're trying to destroy the work and the ideas and the thoughts of others, um, you know, to, to stay within that party line as you describe it, you know. Um, where this time around, again, I was more more drawn into the the whole concept of the the books or reading being replaced by this television everywhere you look, you know that that was, you know, not maybe, perhaps not the sole form of entertainment, um, but even even in a social aspect, friends were invited over to watch TV, which occurs today, but not not as it's described in the book, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, this Sunday they'll be. Many people gather on television to sure. watch the Super yes. Bowl for sure. Um, as as will I, uh, but mm-hmm. you know this as the as he describes it in the book, um, it doesn't seem that like there was even a lot of interaction, you know, giving or feedback relative to what they were watching. It was just it was just sitting there and, and mindlessly watching whatever was on the television.
0: There's a lot of emptiness. I mean, I think for me, the 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 book just spoke of uh, alienation, um, people feeling disconnected.
1: Yeah, no question. Yeah,
0: very not not having to
1: think. You know, I think when you read a book, you know, obviously, uh, you know, whatever the topic may be, you know, you have to have some imagination. Yeah, you, know, you have to be able, even subconsciously, you're 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 picturing what you're reading about, and you're you're picturing what's coming next. You know, and how does that relate to what you've already read? You know, so where is the book headed? What is the, what is the lesson to be learned? What is the message that someone's trying to get across? With a television, watching the television, in, in my opinion, you can be sitting there and having a conversation. You know, a myriad of things going on, and still not really lose the the concept of the idea of what's occurring on the television screen because you're looking out of the corner of your eye.
0: More of it is done for you. Correct. Correct. So you don't have you know, to work as hard. Certainly, that's not the case
1: with a book. You know, somebody comes in the room when you, you know when you're reading a book, the book is put down. You engage in the conversation or take care of whatever has to be taken care of. And when the time comes, and you. You find the time, you go back to the book.
0: Yeah, they're very different experiences, you know. I mean, there's some wonderful stuff that's uh, some wonderful movies, of course, and a lot of great stuff on on uh, TV, a lot of junk, too. But the experience of reading a book is very different. Um, it does take a lot more of your imagination, a lot more of your thinking process. And one thing I think, too, like when you read a book, you don't read it all in one sitting correct you know you watch a movie or watch the whole thing and you may go through certain feelings but it's then they're past whereas when when you're reading a book you're living with it for a while you know so you have time to reflect and you know then you pick it up again and read some more and sure it's a very different kind of experience
1: yeah no question about it and i don't mean to come across as anti-tv i'm certainly not tv has you know 102 useful purposes as far as news and you know, topics of the day, certain emergency alerts and keeping people apprised of what's going on around the world and in the country. Absolutely. And city and state. So it's 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 an incredibly important tool um, in society today. There's no question about that.
0: Well, I think this is the complicated thing is that, and I, I know, and I feel like Ray Bradbury just had this, is that media is going to become, is he knew media was going to become a bigger and bigger part of our lives. And there's so much about it that does provide a lot of use and and good and all of that, no question, but then sure. it's also a double-edged sword, and it's probably becoming more and more extreme in what it can do that's good, yeah. and what it can do that's bad. Right.
1: You know, even when you put it in the context of um, of kids, my own childhood, I you know, my recollections are that from sunup to sundown, you know, depending on the time of year, you were either playing street hockey stickball, basketball, baseball. but well, you were outside with your friends. You know, you might see Gilligan's Island after supper uh, if you were lucky, uh, if you didn't have much homework. As my, as my own kids were growing up, um, there didn't seem to be that neighborhood activity for whatever reason. You know, certainly they were involved in Little League and high school sports and all of that. You know, high school uh, clubs and, and, and associations and, and that.
0: Um, but it
1: became even more, I don't want to say difficult, but even more of an issue with video games
0: you know, that
1: were connected to the television.
0: And certainly by the time we get to this book, you don't see, I mean, kids aren't playing in the streets. And, and, of course, we haven't even talked about the first character he meets, Clarice, but she is one of those rare people that is being tuned into her environment and interacting with her environment, but nobody else is. Right. And they had they describe people... Driving so fast, you know that they can't see anything that goes by. There's a lot of disconnection from nature. So all of those things you're describing that the they're already is
1: just passing it by. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And it's and it's in in many ways continuing to move yeah. in that direction. No, I agree. I think um, uh, Ray Bradbury. We, as part of Malden Reads, we're going to have Ray Bradbury's official biographer. Um, uh, be part of our program. Oh, he phenomenal. lives in Chicago and he's coming out. He's written four books on um, Mr. Bradbury. And um, he will tell you that, you know, Bradbury meant this to be a cautionary tale, um, that he was a science fiction can serve a lot of purposes. Um, they can ask what if, you know, but he, the end of his book, this book is, is hopeful. There's a hope. There's a there's a glimmer it of hope. He,
1: yeah, it seemed as though he left it that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not bright and sunny by right. any stretch of the mean, but but it's but it's that fireman. I mean, it's that main character who uh, doubts, you know, who looks around and says, well, "What's going on here? This is not right," you know, and and then connects with people who are who are like minded and tries to figure out, you know, how do we escape this? How do we change this? Um, so is there there is that sort of message at the end that, you know, there's hope. Uh, but, but it's up to us. Yeah, it is up to us. Yeah, it's to p- those people pl- paying attention. Correct.
1: Yeah. yeah. Very interesting.
0: So uh, we're going to break for just a minute for a, a message about Malden Reeds. Malden Reads' One City, One Book is an expansive community reading program in Malden, Massachusetts, organized by a dynamic group of community volunteers in collaboration with the Malden Public Library and MATV, soon to be UMA, Urban Media Arts. To find out more about our program, the NEA Big Read Grant, our main book selection, companion books, history, events, sponsors, additional resources, and more, visit our website at maldenreads.org. And we're back, um, and my guest is Deputy Fire Chief William Sullivan from the Malden Fire Department. And we're having a great talk about the book. And, uh, you know, our time is almost up. I can't believe it, but um, this is going to be a podcast series. So I'm going to be talking with different people, and we're going to delve more and more into um Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. But I wanted to ask you, did you um, uh, pick out a certain passage that you'd like to share and your thoughts about about it?
1: I did, actually. And I, and I and again, it centers around the issue of the, the televisions and in this, in this new uh, message that I took from it the second time, reading through the book. And the, the passage is, abruptly the room took off on a rocket flight into the clouds. It plunged into a lime green sea where blue fish at red and yellow eight red and yellow fish a minute later three white cartoon clowns chopped off each other's limbs to the accompaniment of immense incoming tides of laughter two minutes more and the room whipped out of town to the jet cars wildly circling an arena bashing and backing up and bashing each other again montag saw a number of bodies flying into the air and again that's i think that's the passage that you know brought me through that shift from you know a censorship concept to this just mindless entertainment, you know, TV. It didn't matter what they were watching. That, that description there sort of runs the gamut. Um, but I could picture it
0: yeah. as, he, as he was describing it. Yeah, I mean, and it's a good point what you're bringing up about the censorship because actually I've heard Ray Bradbury fought against the idea that yes. the book is about censorship um, because it, censorship says government. Government is saying you can't do this. Well, clearly, I mean, they, there is spying and, and there is, you know, burning of books, but... More, you're seeing people don't want to read books. It's, right. it's 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 they're being so the the me, this sort of media entertainment has replaced books and thinking and ideas and all of that, and there's not the desire to read the books. So it's not like the, There has to be this active form of censorship.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. You you don't have to go all that far uh, to get information today. I mean, it's, it's it's on your telephone. It's just it's just a thing you know tips away um, so it's not uh, like even going to the library you know I, I watching my kids go through school uh, particularly college and writing papers you know where I was going through the card index at the library looking for books and handing them to the librarian these cards to have the books brought to me so I could do the research um, today everything is on the computer screen you know similar to a tv it's you just google it in your house
0: you know something but this is the passage that I particularly noted and. And it links with what you're saying, and then so so Captain Beatty, some at one point in the book he comes and pays a visit to to Montag and and his wife, and this is when Montag um, is really you know he's stolen a book, right? Yeah and um, he's feeling very fearful, and he doesn't want to go to work, and he's really not into this whole idea of burning books. And
1: he had a collection of books in the cells. Yeah, as well. he had he a collection of books. The-
0: and that wasn't gonna last for very long, because, you know, the mechanical hound and all that, but, um, but Beatty comes and he's trying to give him a, you know kind of a history lesson and all this, and how the world works right now. And he says this, cram them full of non-combustible data. Chalk them so damned full of facts they feel stuffed, but absolutely brilliant with information. Then they'll feel their thinking. They'll get a sense of motion without moving. And they'll be happy, because facts of that sort don't change. Don't give them any slippery stuff like philosophy or sociology to tie things up with. That way lies melancholy. Any man who could take a TV wall apart and put it back together again, and most men can nowadays is happier than any man who tries to slide rule, measure, and equate the universe, which just won't be measured or equated without making man feel bestial and lonely. I know, I've tried it. To hell with it. So bring on your clubs and parties, your acrobats and magicians, your daredevils, jet cars, motorcycle helicopters, your sex and heroin, more of everything to do with automatic reflex. And it goes on from there. He dresses it, sure. <laughs> He really nailed it. I mean, the 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 facts part. I mean, we are we are inundated with information. Like you like no you question, said, you sure. can Google, you can get any kind. We're 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 awash in information. But what we are losing, or what seems to me that we're losing, is that that time for reflection, that time to just think, that time to to be. Yeah, I would
1: agree. I mean, a, bu- a book produces thoughts. You have, to, you have to think about what you're reading. You have to put it into perspective. You have to uh, interpret what the author is trying to tell you. You know, as you, as you described earlier, how, uh, how hard uh, Mr. Bradbury fought against the censorship thing. He, you know, Perhaps a little disappointed that that's what was coming out of mm-hmm. his book, or being thought about. But, um, you know, as I said, at a different point in my life, reading the book again, you know, it came to me what the real message was or what he was trying to get across, so, you know, so maybe it just had to do with, you know, generations or, you know, your perspective or your viewpoint on anything at any particular point in your life.
0: Absolutely. Well, um, our time is almost up. I can't believe it, um, but I'm I'm so looking forward to, um, well, first of all, i really enjoyed my conversation with you As and I know I, we can you, yeah. we can continue talking for a long time, but uh, we're I, I'm gonna keep these podcasts to half an hour and um, and just know that I'll have the next in the series to delve more into this very, very rich novel and I yeah, think I'll look forward to listening. To yeah, it. and I think that you know I think with books it's like it's it's so much more what you when you talk to someone it's it's more than just about the book. it's what experiences it touches off in you. Uh, what your you know what thoughts come from the book all of that that's that's Absolutely. part of the experience of reading a book um, and I'm so excited that we started off uh, with uh, an actual fireman uh, one that doesn't burn books um, so I, th- I felt like we should end with a story from from your life as a fireman uh, what you do is in, is incredibly uh, important and brave service to our city and I, I wonder if you can share with us something from your experience of being a firefighter that really just stands out in your memory.
1: I th- Being a firefighter for the last 33 years, uh, there's been a number of experiences, obviously, uh, certainly. Um, but I, I think the way I would answer that question is in a, is in a collective sense. And I think what I take um, from my experience as a, as a firefighter I had to talk about it would be would begin and end with the people that I work with and have worked with you know when I was new on the job um, you know I had the the great opportunity to work with firefighters um, you know who who worked through some of the, the busier years that, that the city of Malden saw relative to fire activity during the whole time of urban renewal uh, and they and they really knew the job and they were and they were willing to pass it on uh, you know to those that were coming behind them um, today, the job is a you know the department is a very it's a very young department. Uh, we have a lot of uh, fantastic people coming on the fire department today. Um, you know it's 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 a it's a certain type of person, and it's and it's been a it, and it continues to be a, a great pleasure to go to work uh, every day, to look forward to going to work every single day um, with that type with those types of people. You know, uh, firefighting. Is not an individual occupation you know um, to be successful when we go out the door requires um, a team effort it requires everybody being at the top of their game um, in the instance that they're required uh, to be there Um, and they are a there's a very lucky community to have uh, the committed men and women uh, that they have functioning as firefighters and as I said not not just firefighters I'll use this opportunity too, to applaud the police officers and the school mm-hmm. teachers and the mm-hmm. and the DPW and, and everybody that works for, particularly for the city of Malden um, you know because we do interact with all of those different departments um, the departments at City Hall and they're all professionals so to answer your question it, it, again I'd have to answer in a collective sense mm-hmm. you know have been have, have I been involved in incidents individual incidents where I could say I was proud to be a Malden apps Probably a the firefighter. Absolutely, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's much broader than that. You know, it's 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 the people that I'm I'm very very lucky to go to work with every day.
0: Well, I always think you know when you meet someone from the military, you always say thank you for your service. But I like to broaden that. Or when I meet teachers and firefighters and policemen and people who really dedicate their life to this kind of service, thank you for your service. Oh, well,
1: I think I speak for everybody when I say you're quite well.
0: So uh, this is great to speak with you uh, to talk about um, Fahrenheit 451 and Ray Bradbury and all the conversation that it spilled from there. Um, and uh, look forward to having you be involved in Malden Reed's com- upcoming events and activities. And- yeah, no,
1: I've enjoyed it so far. It's been it's been it's been a great month so far. So uh, I look forward to I look forward to the rest of the year.
0: Great, thank you so much. Thank you. This is Anne Derso-Rose, co-facilitator for the Malden Reads One City, One Book Program. This podcast series was recorded at MATV, soon to be Urban Media Arts. Podcast logo artwork by Elena Martinez. To learn more about this podcast series, visit maldenreads.org slash podcast.